0: Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Suppose you could ask God one question. What would it be? You know, all of us have questions, whether um, it's when or or how or what, and we're always trying to figure out what's the next step, and God, will you show me, or God, will you help me? Well, several weeks ago, we passed out uh, these cards, and we allowed everybody to ask their question. And so the last several weeks, we've been going through those questions, trying to figure out uh, answers that would help people move forward in their lives. We're so glad that you're here today. Today is uh, graduation uh, Sunday. It's also baptism Sunday. I kind of of look like it's just commencement Sunday because whether you're being baptized or whether you're uh, graduating, you're starting something brand new. It's a new life. So you know what I was thinking? Is there any way that we can highlight the graduates but also make a little fun of them too? And so, uh, I thought that a good way to do that is just I challenge the staff says give me the the th- three best memes that you can find for graduation, and so here's the first one: when you're celebrating graduation, then you remember you just moved from undergraduate to unemployed. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. How about this? And Sally May, I'd uh, be like, ooh, you, oh, you graduated. <laughs> Dear graduates, congratulations on getting through the easiest part of your life. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you, it is, uh, there's nothing more exciting than graduation, whether, uh, especially from high school, because this is a new, it's a new season for you. Uh, and here's the challenge, you are filled with so much of excitement and enthusiasm, you've got dreams of everything, dreams of, um, of going to work or dreams of going to college, and while you're celebrating, I'm telling you, your parents are crying, Um, and it is an emotional, uh, time, but let me just tell you one thing. It won't be as emotional as the day you move into college. If you're going in that direction, then they will be crying. And so, uh, just be easy on them and just be nice and show up when you're supposed to show up and do those things because, uh, your life is changing And, and we're just glad to be a part of that. And we look forward to, um, to seeing what God has for you in the coming days. Well, let's, let's get started. When we, I went through the questions, it seemed like there's one question that went over and over and over. You know, what's God's plan for my life? Uh, how do you find a, a plan for my life? Um, how about Jesus' plan for me? What's my purpose? How do I know God's plan for me? What's my purpose? Over and over and over. I'm telling you, scores of ones of these questions uh, focused on uh, what's God's purpose for my life. I believe that every one of us have a purpose. I believe that when God formed you in your mother's womb and He put His Spirit inside of you, that there's a reason that you were created. There's a reason that you've been placed here on this earth. And so when I see all these questions that you're interested in that, it's really encouraging to me. It's encouraging because I believe that I'm speaking to a group of people that you want to understand the reason you've been placed here. And so let's just dive right in. I believe that God created you for at least five purposes. First of all, God created you to love you, and He wants you to love Him back. That's the very first purpose of your life. God created you to love you, and He wants you to love Him back. Now, we have a word for this, love him back, and it's the word worship. God created us to be worshipers. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you in three minutes a sermon series that it took me six weeks to present uh, several years ago. And so I'm going to just speed through this. But this is important. You've got to understand that God created you to love you. And some of you may have never even thought about it that way, that God loves you. He really does. You don't have to earn his love But the moment that you took your first breath, he was there smiling from ear to ear. So God created you to love you. He wants you to love him back. Here, secondly, God wants you to be a part of his family, the church. God wants you to be a part of his family. Now, uh, this can't be overstated here because it is so important. The church, God wanted a family. And God knows that we need a family. We need people to do life with. It's interesting that we live in the most connected generation ever. But so often I meet people who are connected on every type of social media platform, but yet they're lonely. And I think God knew that, and that's why he created the church. He created it so that we can find a place where we can know and be known and we can love and be loved and we can serve and be served and with it we can celebrate like we're doing today and be celebrated. That's the essence of the church. So God wants you to be a part of his church. Third thing, God wants you to grow spiritually and he wants you to live your life like Jesus. And so we have to think about what can we do to take that next step to really... uh, learn and to grow and to act like Jesus. That's a purpose. And next, God wants you to use what you've been given for the good of others. God wants you to use what you've been given for the good of others. This is about stewardship. It's about management. It's about serving others. We're talking about purpose here. And so finally, God wants you to tell your story. You have a story. And God wants you to get... uh, to develop the skills in a way that you're able to communicate your story. Just tell people what God's done in your life. So we're thinking about purpose. So you understand that within the context of these five broad statements, you can go much deeper than that. But as you do that, you'll start to understand your purpose and His will for your life. So let's talk about God's will. That's the second... um, question that was asked over and over. How can I know God's will for my future? Man, I think all of us have struggled with that at times. And so many times we convince ourselves that God's will is mysterious And we're going to find God's will out. One day when we're looking in the clouds, and it's all going to come together, and we're going to figure this out, and we start praying for some kind of feeling or as we pray for some type of revelation, and God says, wait a minute, I've already shown you my will, so I just need you to do it. You say, really? What's God's will for a student? If you're a high school student, God's will for you is to study for exams this week and pass your (laughs) exams. What's God's will for a doctor? Some of you are in in the medical field. is to get up and do rounds tomorrow. Take care of people. What's God's will for a banker? Protect the money. Take care of the money. What's God's will um, for a salesperson? I need you to, God needs you to know your product. You need to Know your contacts and know the people who need your product. You need to make those relationships. You need to send those email, emails. You need to pick up the phone. You need to sell the product. What's God's will for a young mother? Change that diaper. That's good. I was just being real practical. And you're saying, wait a minute. Wait a minute. God's will has got to be more than all of that. It is. It is but it's not less than all of that. It may be more than all of that, but it is not less than all of that. God's will is often found in doing the nitty-gritty everyday kind of life. And what I would say to you, if you're struggling to know God's will for your future, I want you to obey what you know is the will of God today in this present moment. And then expect God to open up the door so that you can take your next step. So you're in this place and you're just trying to figure out, Oh God, what's your will for my future? I'd say commit it to prayer and be open. But there are also some, sta- some questions that I want you to maybe use this week as you ponder this and you reflect on this. Um, they're right here on your, your handout. And just use this as some homework. First of all, am I open to whatever the Lord wants for me. Am I open? Have I studied the issue from from every possible angle? Have I sought wise counsel? I mean, some of you, you have dreams of of being at a certain place. Let me ask you a question. Have you talked to someone who has been where you want to go? It is important. You have this dream of this uh, certain job or this certain career or certain talk to somebody who has been there. Get wise counsel. The Bible says that there's safety in the multitude of counselors. Look at your circumstances. Are they pointing you in a certain direction? Have you ever noticed that maybe doors are opening in one area, but the area that you want to be in, they're closing? Could that be God is moving you down a new path? Look at the circumstances around you. Is there any supernatural guidance that that you've experienced? Maybe a prompting. Maybe you're in service and you feel uh, you have this image that comes comes to your mind and you feel this prompting. Or maybe you hear something in a message. Or may, maybe you, you read something in God's Word. Maybe somebody prophesies over you or speaks a word over you. Is there some supernatural guidance along the way? Are you willing? Are you willing to take the next steps? And next, And finally, Am I willing to do God's will regardless of the circumstances? And so we look at those questions, and those questions are something that we look at not one time, but it's probably something that we need to put in our Bible and that we need to ponder as we go through the seasons that life brings our way. Here's the next question. Do I have to be baptized in water to go to heaven? That's a great question, specifically since today is baptism today. So do you have to be baptized in water to go to heaven? And the answer, the simple answer is no. In fact, we see an example of this. When Jesus went to the cross, he had a thief on his left side and one on his right side. And one of them um, uh, really recognized that Jesus was the Lord. And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. That man was never baptized, but yet he went to heaven. Now, having said that, let's talk about baptism. I want to talk about baptism and a story, let's say, from my upbringing. My dad was uh, really involved in our community and was a part of every kind of civic organization that you can imagine. He was, uh, for our small town, he was in the J.C.s and he was in the Lions Club, and he was in the Gideons, and he was in the Masons, and he was in the Shriners. Now, the Shriners are those guys that ride motorcycles. He didn't do that, but wear the funny hats, and I can remember going up into his closet, they called it a fez. And they'd get the hat. I'd get the hat out and try it on. And it had jewels across the front. It says He Jazz. And, and they had that special hat. They also had a ring that they would wear. And then they had a, a secret handshake. Now, all of those were symbols that you're part of that group, that organization. You're part of the club. Uh, we have been stopped on several occasions by an officer of the law. And then Dad would do the secret handshake, and all of a sudden, we'd be waved on through. And so I don't know. I, I never learned how to do that, but he did somehow along the way. And so anyway, those were symbols of that organization. You know, the church has a symbol, a fellowship, and it's called baptism. Baptism, when you're baptized, you're saying that we belong here. We belong together. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. When some of us are Jews and other are Gentiles, some of us are slaves and others are free. But God's Spirit baptized each of us and made us part of the body of Christ and now we each drink from the same Spirit. Interesting here. It says that we've come from a lot of different places, different nationalities, different groups. But he said that when we come to, uh, in Christ, there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism. And, and we become a part of that family. And when we go through the waters of baptism, it is just an announcement to, that, to the community that we're part of his family. You know, we know that salvation is a very personal decision that each one of us make. But there is a point... Where we go public with that personal decision, and that's through the waters of baptism. Do you have to do that? No, you don't. But Jesus encourages us to. We follow in his footsteps because Jesus himself was baptized. And so uh, I would say to you, if, if you've never been baptized, why not? Why not? Why not go forward in, and, and make that announcement that I am a part of his fellowship? Okay, over the last several weeks, we've been looking at questions like this, but then we'd break in the middle of it, and I would say, let's go the lightning round. And we know that when the lightning round happens, you've got to listen in, and and the subject could change uh, pretty quickly. Now, uh, it can be called the lightning round or the lightning rod, but you'll have to listen to last week's message to understand where that came from. So here's the first one. How about this? Hey, can you explain ghost and... um, and and i can i talk to dead people kind of interesting question isn't it can you talk to dead people now very practically when you think about a subject like this oftentimes you hear people tell stories of ghost or tell stories of showing a picture and maybe you're in this picture and then there's a cloud or there's some kind of form there and uh, most christians will tell scholars will say oh that's some kind of that orb is some kind of a a dust particle and is some kind of a shadow and they explain it away and maybe so or maybe not but can you talk to dead people and i'd say yes you can I believe that you can talk to dead people. Now, before you brand me a heretic, everything that is possible is not always profitable. So where am I basing? When I uh, build messages, I want to base everything in Scripture. So let's look and see what the Bible has. The Bible has a story. It talks a lot about the occult and so forth. and, And over and over it says, don't go there. But there's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 28. There's the king Saul. He had walked away from the Lord. He had walked away from the Lord and he came to a place, a crisis moment in his life, and he needed wisdom and direction. And so since he had walked away from the Lord, he went down to the next city to... um, to meet the witch of Endor, so we went to a, a medium, a spiritist, the witch of Endor. It's kind of interesting. Some of your uh, your grandparents, and so you know that back in the day there was a TV show called Bewitched, right? Anybody ever seen Bewitched? Yeah, all the old folks way back me. Yeah, you're old. I know it. You are. And so, um, of course, Patty's other said my mom and dad wouldn't let me watch that show, and so. Um, Bewitched, the, the mother-in-law of the main character was named Endora. She was named that because it goes back to this story in the Bible, the witch of Endor. So, so Saul had outlawed all the mediums and the spiritists and all the occult practices in Israel and said, you can't do that. If, you're gonna, if you do that, you're going to be put to death. But there came a point where he wanted it. So he knew that he had made that ruling. So he put on this disguise and he went down to the next city and he started having this conversation. Well, she recognized it was Saul and she backed off and said, no, am I going to be killed because of this? He said, no, no, I promise you, you will not be killed. And they called up uh, the prophet Samuel from, um, uh, from the grave and he talked to them and as a result of doing this, the judgment of God came on Saul and he died the next day. And so, uh, we see in Leviticus chapter 19 and 31, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, uh, for you will be defiled by them. He said, I am the Lord your God. I am the place that you're to get wisdom and insight. You don't need to go to a palm reader. You don't need to have tarot cards. You don't need to do, uh, go in any of that direction because when you do that, you're opening up the door for the devil to be involved in your life. You're giving the devil a foothold. Now, there's several things with these questions that I've said to you, okay, uh, this is my opinion, and you, know, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and you just kind of fear. You're smart people. You kind of figured this out. But this is one thing I'm saying, don't go there. I just want to be as clear as possible. You do not need to be involved with any kind of occultic practices because... Um, it will lead to a defilement and it will lead you down to a path of bondage and fear and it will take you further than you want to go. And if you've been involved in that in the past, you can be free from that. You can be free. I believe that the power of the Lord, the power of Jesus, the power of His name is greater than the power of the devil. And so you can be free from that. And so technically... We have an example in the Old Testament where uh, Saul talked to someone that's dead, but I don't recommend it. Now, let's go practically. So this afternoon, does that mean that it is wrong for you to go to the cemetery and talk to your grandmother that just passed away? Oh, that's where we live, isn't it? And I would say, no, it's not wrong for that because here's what I see in that. I see in that that it's part of the grieving process. Sometimes that uh, someone uh, leaves unexpectedly, we're not, um, even when it's expected, it's unexpected. Um, and it, we need that time to process and to think through and to talk things out. And so I'm okay with that. And this is, again, this is my opinion here. I'm okay with that, that you're talking those things out. And maybe some of you have had some things where you had to write a letter and you just go and you just read that. Now, I think it's really about bringing health and healing to you. Now, understand this. If you are doing that as a part of a grieving process, it's a good thing. But if you're five years into this, ten years into this, and you're still grieving that, it's time for you to move on. You know, there's a time to be born, a time to die. We understand that the weeping may last. Uh, for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We understand that grieving and mourning will be turned into dancing. That God is a God that brings healing and that you'll get through this and don't allow this, uh, this pain to define you for the rest of your life. But learn and use the legacy and the principles, the positive things that came from that relationship so that you can live the life that you've been called to live. Okay? Okay? You don't need uh, the occult to make it in life. You need the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. A lot of questions about this. A lot of questions. When I say a lot, maybe 25 questions or so. Tell me, what's up with speaking in other tongues? Okay? And so I thought that's a good question. We see in Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, For John baptized with water... But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. First thing to notice here, uh, John is a, a guy that came preaching repentance. Be saved. Get saved. And that the outward sign of that, like we've already said, the baptism of water. And then he's saying, but in a few days, he's going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So these are two different events separated by several days. We know that when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and fills you on the inside. That's what happens when you're saved. But he is saying that something else is going to happen. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So this is in, in John, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 5. Go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. What's going to happen to you? But you will receive power, that's a key word there, power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice the word power here. Oftentimes, we talk about this, and we use um, that word uh, uh, to speak about strength, to speak about um, energy. Oftentimes, people will come into this room, and they'll sense the presence and the power of God, but they don't have the vocabulary to define it, to describe it. And so they'll say to me, oh, uh, I felt the energy in the room. I just felt such an energy, and they'll use that to describe the message um, or the, the experience uh, I have had on a number of occasions. People walk in, and I meet them out in the lobby, and they say, Marty, that was a hell of a sermon there. And I'm thinking like, no, there's a hell of a talk. And I'm thinking like, well, when I was studying and praying, I didn't really envision it being called that, but um, oh, Well. I, I laugh because, of course, Stevens Creek is a place where people from all different walks of life come and take their next step. And so I just laugh and roll with that. Um, but what I know when they say something like that is it's more than a speech and it's more than a performance. But they sense that it's something and they can't really define it. It's the presence and it's the power of the Lord. And that's why we say oftentimes, God, get the junk out of our lives and let us be filled with the presence of the Lord. So that's the important. So you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, in the book of Acts, we see the release of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And then overall, we see five times it talks about this endowment with power um, of the Holy Spirit. Three times in the book of Acts, along with that power, comes this phenomenon of speaking in other tongues. Now, what is speaking in other tongues? Speaking in tongues is the ability, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to speak a language that is not learned through natural means. Okay? But to boil it down to where we live, here's the definition. Speaking in tongues is a method of prayer. It's about praying. It's a method of prayer. It's a way you speak to God, um, and God uh, speaks into you. Now, there's two aspects of this. First of all, there's this personal and private prayer language. In First Corinthians 14 and verse 2, it said, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people. You're not speaking to anybody else. This is between you and the Lord. But you speak to God. Indeed, no one understands them, and they utter mysteries by the Spirit. And so we see this is a way where if uh, those people that are interested in moving forward in their prayer life, this is another dimension to that. Now, we hear this, and this is so unique. But this phenomenon and this experience uh, has touched over 300 million people across the world. And what we see, it, it's, it's the fastest-growing movement in Christianity. And so uh, if you're new to this, this is something that you will start to see more and more as uh, really the end times comes and as the church moves forward in, in this. So I said there's two aspects of it. There's this personal and private aspect, and then there's this public display. Now, when it's public, it is a gift of the Spirit, meaning that everybody doesn't get it. Everybody doesn't have it, and, you know, but let's say uh, two or three people may have that, but if it's used in a public setting, therefore, there needs to be an interpretation of that. And the Bible says that, you know, when that is, that is used just to get the attention of really non-believers because they say, wow, God must be really around here for that to happen. And so, the, over the years, there's brought confusion when somebody that has a private gift uses it in a public manner. And when that happens, there's confusion, and sometimes there's goofiness. Now, I was raised in this, and so I've seen a lot of the goofy, a lot of it. And uh, we kind of laugh at the, as we remember uh, some of our uh, earlier days. But I will say this. Yeah, there has been the goofy, but I have seen the real. And I have seen that really uh, encourage and strengthen people along the way. So apparently you're interested in it, and so, um, so many that it, uh, we may be having a series on that in the coming months. How about that? So let's, let's uh, move on and let's see what else you've got on your heart. Um, okay. Um, who was the first Christian? Okay. Uh, I don't know, but I assume it would be Mary, Mary Magdalene, and Salome because they went to the tomb that day and, um, and Jesus rose from the grave. And they said, oh, Jesus is alive. Saved. Check, 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 I guess. Um, and so I would assume they're the first Christians. Uh, I do know this. Uh, the, the believers, the uh, followers were first called Christians in the city of Antioch. Okay, who had the idea of making a Bible? Good question. The Bible really was oral tradition. It was stories told and it was passed from family to family. Uh, generation to generation. That's how the Old Testament made it. But then as uh, parchment came available, they started writing this down. It's very interesting. Last October, Patty and I were um, in Israel, and we went to the place where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in the late 1940s. And as they interpreted those, that it matched up with the scriptures they know, so they understand that this went back uh, hundreds, even thousands of years. So it all changed, however, in, uh, in the 1400s, 1430s. When Gutenberg created the printing press, he created the printing press so that he could print his the Gutenberg Bible, and so this is when the Word of God got in everybody's hand and it changed the world. And so, um, so that's how we've seen it. And then we see in uh, 1604, King James of England paid for uh, the printing of the King James version of the Bible, and many of you grew up on that. Okay, how about this one? Uh, Why is it that people who live dirty, evil lives and mistreat others are more blessed by God? Well, that's pretty clear. Um, Here's what I want you to understand that it it rains on the just and the unjust. I believe some of these folks are blessed because uh, they live in America and America's been blessed and we've been, uh, have a. A great uh, country here, and God's favor has been on us. But you're both Americans, so let's talk about where you live. Um, Here's what I know. That God does not settle his accounts at the end of the week or the end of the month or the end of the year. But God will settle his accounts, and God will make everything right. I am so sorry that you're suffering, and you feel like you're suffering while uh, these dirty, evil People who mistreat others are not suffering, and you want them to suffer like you're suffering. I'm sorry for that. But I'm telling you that you keep living your life and surrendering to God and live under his blessings and his, his favor, and God will meet your needs according to his riches in glory. This this person, or the dirty, evil, and guy that mistreats others, all of that that he's amassing or building, is going to be like wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn away one day. It's, it's, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is what you have in your heart, okay? Um, okay, what, about, what does the Bible have to say about teenagers and pornography? Okay, I think the Bible calls us to live a pure life and an honorable life. And uh, when I think about that, and I say this to parents, I said, you can't raise your kids like you were raised because the world that you were raised in no longer exists. Okay? Just very practically. You can't raise your kids like you were raised because the world that you were raised in no longer exists. When I was a kid, you got water for free, but you had to pay for porn. Now you have to pay for water, but you get porn for free. And so that's the world we live in. And we see it, and uh, with a click of the button, you see things that uh, would make your grandma pass out. Okay? Um, And so it is a different world. But I would say to that, uh, to the individual, I would say guard your eyes, guard your heart. Uh, I would say to you, uh, like Job chapter 31 said, I made a covenant. I'm going to make it a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to look on a woman lustfully. Here's the danger. Pornography is Satan's trick um, to take what God has blessed, which is sexual relationships within the confines of holy matrimony, and he has used it to, Satan has turned it around. Because think about it practically. Um... There's no bonding, there's no connection, there's no conversation, um, there's no intimacy. It's a one-way street. So uh, sex is designed to bring people together in holy matrimony. And, and pornography is just all about the individual. So I would just say simply, God has a better plan. God has a better plan. And it's something that should be filled with joy and, 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 uh, and it flows out of a pure heart. So interesting question. So, um, how does a couple come close to God together? How do you come, uh, how do you remain close to each other? I would say this, just to all marriage uh, folks, uh, you need to develop some common um, things that you're both tied to, that you're both connected to. If not, you're going to go through a graduation um, and then you're going to go home and have an empty nest and look at these and say, I don't even know you. And so just be real practical. Those things that brought you together when you were first dating, you know, those friendship factors, you've got to have that. It's got to be an important part of your life. How do you forgive your father after he's had an affair? Okay, uh, that's real. And so I just want to say to you, Let's first of all, look at you, and if that's happened to you, I want to say I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that you're struggling with that. I'm sorry that that happened. Um, it is very painful. Um, First of all, remember, your, your dad is not perfect, and neither are you, you perfect, uh, that he's still your dad. Um, having said that, it's going to be hard. Just be gut-level honest. And if you will make a decision to forgive him, you can do that today, but here's what's going to happen. In about two or three weeks from now, uh, something's going to come up, and it's going to take you back to that pain, and that you're going to have to start that process again. You'll get through that, and then you're going to go to the 4th of July picnic, and that, uh, you've got people there that don't belong in your family, but yet they're in there and all this kind of confusion stuff, um, and then you are got to, to work through that again. I want you to work through that for your own benefit. I don't want you to become angry and bitter because here's what. Bitterness is like drinking poison and looking at somebody else uh, for them to die. Okay? You're angry, you're bitter. at This person, you drink the poison and you're waiting for that person to die and that person doesn't die, it's you. It's, it's your life that's hurting on that. And I just want you to, um, to learn how to walk through this path of forgiveness. And maybe it is something that you get in one of our freedom small groups and you kind of work through this. How do you forgive your father after his affair? Mm, it's hard, but I want you to do that because he's your dad he 's not perfect, he made a mistake, and maybe he 's continuing to make mistakes, and maybe he 's a bonehead and and all of that yeah, he may be, and this might be the not be the you know he may have a pattern of this, and so I am not exonerating his actions okay i 'm not exonerating that at all and so um, and if you 're the dad here and you just need to make things right now, the truth of the matter is. Making things you you can't undo what you've done. It's done. It's out there. But you need to pick up the pieces and try to make the best out of this bad situation that you created. And you can say all kind of reasons why you created that situation. But I would say I would say run to a place of healing. Try to find a place of healing. Okay, Uh, here's interesting. Goes is all sin equal? Uh, I think all sin breaks the heart of God. But it's not equal because some sin is against you, but some sin hurts people that you love. And so watch that. Uh, I had another question that I didn't answer a couple of weeks ago that I thought was interesting. How did the old, uh, people in the Old Testament be saved? How did they get saved? How did they make it to heaven? And the answer to that is really um, in a story that Jesus told, that Jesus told a story about going to the temple where he saw a Pharisee, which is righteous person, and then he saw this evil tax collector, and both of them approached God, but the tax collector came and acknowledged his sin, that he accepted mercy, and he put his faith in God. And Jesus looked at that man, and he said, that man went home justified. Okay, let's think about this. This is before the cross and everything. So he is talking to an Old Testament type of, of thinking and lifestyle. So that tells me that people in the Old Testament who acknowledged their sin, accepted mercy, put their faith in God, were justified. And so they looked forward to a Savior. We, ourselves, look back to the Savior from what he did to the cross. So it's still putting our faith in what Jesus accomplished. So how is a person saved? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says these words, if you declare with your mouth, you speak this, that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart That God raised him from the dead. You believe the story of Easter. That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Next verse. For it is with your heart. This is about a heart decision. That you believe. And that you are justified. That is just if you had never sinned. He wipes the slate clean. And it is with your mouth. You're going to speak. That you profess your faith. I am a follower of Jesus and are saved you profess with your mouth that you're saved in a few minutes we're going to go through baptism i'm going to ask the individuals that come forward for baptism have you accepted jesus christ their lord they're going to profess with their mouth that jesus is lord the bible says when when you do that you believe in your heart you you confess with your mouth you profess your faith you are saved that's how it happens and so we celebrate today with what god is doing In this church, with uh, nearly 20 people being baptized in water, but also uh, a number of folks uh, with their families here um, as we honor our graduates. But I think what's really appropriate is that we close out this time with prayer and we say, God, uh, that we open up our hearts and we say, God, speak to us today. And for those of you that have never made a decision to follow Jesus, today is your day. Today is the day to simply say, Jesus, save me. Make me the kind of person you'd have me to be. Come and live in my life. Live in my heart. Lead me. We speak it in leadership oftentimes. That God, will be the leader of my life. I believe if you pray that prayer, your life can be changed. And that God does have a plan for you. And this will be truly the first day of a new way of living and it's going to be the best life possible for you let's pray together Father we're so thankful today that we have an opportunity to be here with our families and to know that this is part of our tradition but this is also a part of our living faith and living means that we understand that your spirit is here And so, Father, we open up our hearts to you, and we say, come and fill us with your spirit. But, God, I realize there are some people here that have never made that decision. And if that's you, just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Say that. Just say, Jesus, save me. Say this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person you'd have me to be. And, Father, as they pray those prayers, I ask that you would do as only you can do, that you would just write their name up in heaven, that you would fill them with your presence and your power, and that you would order their footsteps so that they would walk in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.